Welcome to Seismic Wales, a monthly podcast celebrating good people doing great things. Hello and welcome to the Seismic Wales podcast with me, Rich and Lindsay. Hello. Hello, Lindsay. Uh, once again, we are socially distanced, uh, talking over Zoom this time. How's the, how's the lockdown going for you, Lindsay? It's not been too bad. Um, it's had its moments, I guess, where, I don't know, like I've been speaking to a few people about the weird dreams and the sort of, yeah, little kind of anxiety bits. But overall, I think, you know, we're we're in a good position. So I, I can't complain. Yeah, I guess similar here, getting a bit bored, but I think, uh, you know, quite lucky compared to some of the uh, people dealing with this and, um, you know, take my hat off to some of the amazing work going on, which um, brings us on to this month's episode, which is really focused around food. Um, so we uh, put out a call on social media for suggestions of how we should cover the pandemic. So thanks to everyone who came back to us on Twitter, particularly. Um, too many stories probably for us to cover, or certainly in this one episode, but... Um, food did seem to be a common theme of a lot of this stuff so that we've uh, ended up looking at food particularly this month and um, I guess this is a big issue Lindsay for for people at the moment getting access to food. Yeah it has been and it's I, I suppose the reason this episode came about because we're sort of you know following stuff on Twitter and you're hearing about different uh, projects that are coming up and how different businesses especially the food businesses have adapted over time and it's just been really interesting and kind of unusual circumstances so it just feels good to sort of capture the good you know the really amazing stuff that's happening out there and yeah this is just a snippet of some of the stories that we've been hearing. That's right and I've um, been speaking to Pearl from Food Cardiff so it's kind of an umbrella organisation that looks at a lot of these uh, works on a lot of these issues in the capital Um, and uh, She's given us a bit of an overview, really, of some of the issues that obviously existed before the pandemic in terms of access to food, but also in how the city's been responding. So let's have a listen to what Pearl had to say about how Cardiff is dealing with a pandemic in terms of food. Before the pandemic, um, things are changing now, probably for the worse. Um, 40% of people in Cardiff were worried about being able to afford food. So um, that was a real um, issue that we were trying to deal with. But then there were also things like how to make um, local food that's better for the planet and supports wildlife and, and prevents climate change, looking at how things like public sector procurement um, could help support that as well. I guess if people can't afford decent food, then that's going to have an impact on their health and well-being. And I, have you, what kinds of things have, have you seen through your work in terms of the impact of that, people not people struggling obviously and, and the worry of that we pre- produced a plan a couple of years ago to tackle food insecurity in the city um, and some of the things that came out um, of the research to that was things around um, people not wanting to invite friends and family over for dinner or for a meal um, which I thought was really really stark and really struck me um, as something that many people take for granted um, although interesting I guess now is where many more of us are experiencing that um, through being isolated. Um, But also things like some of the health inequalities, um, 
different areas of the city, uh, people are, I think it is, men in um, least deprived areas of Cardiff are expected to live on average 11 years longer than people in other areas of the city. Um, and for women, it's nine years. Um, so those are huge gaps in terms of uh, life expectancy. And those problems are unfortunately getting a lot worse with the current crisis. Um, the latest figures, we're looking into them in more details in Wales, um, but we're now looking at six out of 10 people in Wales worried about being able to access food. In terms of the impact of the pandemic then, how would you kind of summarise it, how it's affected people? Is it is it about um, the kinds of food people have got access to? Is it just more people falling into that, you know, financial problems? What's the, what are the kind of some of the patterns you've seen? It's a whole mix really, um, but we've identified a number of different groups. So we've got people who are having to shield because they're extremely vulnerable and have to shield for, for 12 weeks. Um, so obviously can't get out of the house to, to get food. Um, so they are being supported through Welsh Government have been providing food parcels um, for people in this group who need some help. Um, we've also got people who might be shielding and, and can afford food, um, but just maybe don't have the technology to get to an online supermarket delivery um, and with some of the the increase in demand and issues around staffing and um, potentially things with the supply chain as well means that that kind of access element as well as the affordability has been a big issue. Um, and then there's things like people on the front line um, working for the NHS who um, are working long shifts and especially in the at the very beginning of the pandemic when there was um, what was called to be panic buying but was often I think the evidence is suggesting it was people adding a few more items to their shopping basket um each each visit rather than a an all-out panic buying um but because of the the way the food system is is set up um to be really finely detailed in terms of when things arrive at the shops that meant there was less on the less on the shelves um and particularly impacting thing people who were um, only able to go at the end of a, a long shift. Yeah, so a whole mix of issues really, and and I guess so. There's not there's the affordability and the access side. Have you seen anything in terms of the the diet side as well? I mean, the, in terms of what people are eating and and ha- what they're throwing away or what they're not able to eat that they normally would. Yeah, it's I'm really interested to see what the impact of of this is on on the diet and and on things like food waste, like you say. Um, it's a real mixed picture at the moment. There's a lot of um, emerging evidence that people are, are cooking from home more. Um, and there's been things like the Love Food, Hate Waste platform, um, which, which shows you how to best preserve your food and use leftovers and so on, I think has gotten extremely popular. Um, so there's a lot of positive things coming out of it in terms of diet and home cooking and people trying new things um i don't i'm sure lots of people have seen the um sourdough starter and sourdough bread baking that seems to be going on on um across social media and then we've also got um potential examples of of food being wasted because people have have bought it and it's unusual and don't know what to do with it so what what do you think then the pandemic tells us in terms of Cardiff's food system? What 
how well prepared was Cardiff has Cardiff been to deal with this? How resilient is our food system? Um, is there anything that's come out of this that has surprised you, perhaps? I think I'm really proud of everyone who's been involved in the response in Cardiff and how quickly and resilient we've been in terms of the response. I think it's been a really challenging thing to respond to. I think there's lots of issues with the food system which make it not very resilient. Um, but I think having having this infrastructure in place has made a real difference and has made it so that we've been able to um, to respond quickly to it. So one of the things I was really pleased with was that we um, food through Food Cardiff we've set up a food response task group which involves Cardiff Council, Cardiff and Vale, University Health Board and the dietetics team there, um, the Trussell Trust, Cardiff Food Bank, um, Fair Shed Cymru and Cardiff Third Sector Council. Um, so having representation from all these groups, um, we're having weekly meetings at the moment um, in order to connect everything that's going on and really channel the resources to where they need to go. But I guess saying that in terms of your question was about some of the uh, resilience in the food system as a whole. I guess this is where there are lots of problems with it. Um, and we've seen restaurants, cafes, takeaways, other sorts of local food enterprises all having to close during the pandemic. And how can we best support them to keep going once um, once things start to reopen and, and once things start to shift again. Um, there's also some big challenges in the um, horticulture and kind of fruit and vegetable production in Wales. Um, we import a huge amount of fruit and vegetables. They're the highest percentage item that we import um, and looking at how we can create a more resilient system here in Wales, for example, by having shorter, more local supply chains um, and things like that, so that we, we later on in the year don't have a, um, a lack of some of the essential items for our diet. So do you think, do you think more, more local food, you know, people being, having more local supplies of food more generally, would that help Cardiff and other, the rest of the world be better prepared for these kind of shocks, if you like? Yes, definitely. And I think we've seen that by, um, I don't think we've got the Wales figures yet, but in the UK, um, three million people have ordered a from a box scheme or directly from a farm that hadn't before the pandemic. Um, so there's clearly in this kind of crisis, it's still a huge demand for this local food and a higher demand um, and a bit and it would be amazing if that could continue after the pandemic as well. And that demand creating um, alongside the support for growers and for new entrants and farmers to, to be able to meet the, that demand would be really helpful for the future. As you say, it's very difficult to kind of think of this in terms of positives and, and benefits from it. Um, but I think there are definitely lessons and things that we can um hope that will will change moving forward that will be better um for Cardiff and for 
for Wales. Um, and I think some of the things um, that I've seen in the past past few weeks have been really interesting around um, the grassroots activity and what people are doing um, and just kind of getting on and doing without conversations, or without getting into the detail of barriers and logistics and all the things that we normally uh, prevent things happening in the past. People have just kind of got on and done things. And now that's probably not sustainable or resilient in the long term. Um, but if we can look at what the what the thing what is needed to make that happen in future and make that happen, um, then that would be amazing. There's um we're helping set up the Edible Cardiff network in, in Cardiff, which is a network of community growers, small um scale agriculture and individuals who like growing, pretty much everyone encompassing wanting to grow food um, for people and pollinators and um, we're looking at how that network can help um, respond to the pandemic for example by getting seed kits um, little growing kits into food parcels that are going out so people can start growing at home even if you've just got a windowsill um, and no garden um, and we've already seen organizations like Grow Cardiff have sent out 200 seed packs to families um, in the city and they're going to be scaling that up with um, sunflowers and seed packs for um, through schools, the schools that are open for key workers and for vulnerable people. Um, and then we're having a look um, and then Green Squirrel have also been um, doing work around this sort of growing system. They've rescued, uh, I think it was over a thousand violas from Butte Park nurseries that they um, dropped off to places across the city for people to start growing. Just one last question then. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot slightly, but if there was one change you'd like to see after this pandemic in terms of the, the food system and how we how we get uh, access to the food we need in Cardiff, if there's one thing, one change you'd like to see, what would that be? Oh, it is really putting me on the spot because I've got so many and I've got them on a personal and a professional level. You can have one of each if you want. <laughs> okay, I have a personal one, which is I would love to see um, more food growing in the in the streets, in the parks, in the gardens of Cardiff. Because um, I think whilst it's not necessarily going to feed the city, um, it would go a long way. Um, I guess in what I'm hoping will happen after this is that some of the systems that we've put in place for the emergency food response, for example, having these networks in communities across the city of organisations, grassroots and public bodies, is that that continues um, and that support is there to, to create what is needed in communities. So some of the things like neighbours helping each other with access to food and so on that you think that might or hopefully will continue yeah and i'd like it if um if someone if you're at home and you wanted to help in some way that you would be able to do that and it would be you there's a there's a place to go and there's people who can help you and they can help you do that safely and in a way that's going to benefit people yeah, that'd be great to see, definitely. Thanks very much for that, Pearl. Lovely to chat with you. And let's hope that some of these more positive uh, stories do become part of our f post-pandemic future.
Thank you. So that was Pearl there from Food Cardiff. Um, Lindsay, uh, these issues around food are pretty pretty shocking, really, aren't they? They are, and I think the the sort of statistic that stood out to me was the forty percent of people worried about affording food and the whole sort of area around food sort of insecurity and um, yeah, it just really sort of makes you realise what else is going on out there because I I know I'm very lucky and I've. Um, you know, I've managed to get hold of the food I've wanted. I'm still in work, so it's 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 a completely sort of different world. And you know, it sounds like there's some amazing work going on to sort of counter that. Yeah, and not just in terms of affordability. Um, you know, we we heard about the, the the issues facing the NHS and NHS workers and shift workers and so on. And there's people with certain issues in terms of um, socially isolating who can't get out. So. I guess this is just adding to some of the pressures we already had in terms of food system. Uh, what I should say as well, and we didn't uh, get a chance to include it all in, in, in Pill's interview there, but you know, there's some amazing work going on right now in terms of an emergency response from, from the health service, from the uh, local councils and so on and so forth. But um, I guess what I find interesting is kind of uh, beyond the crisis, the immediate crisis, what does this um tell us about the food system and maybe what can we do afterwards yeah it certainly does and throughout the chats um in this episode there's you know like diff- different things that are highlighted as being those weaknesses i suppose and how people are overcoming them to to sort of make that change and it will be interesting to see how the food system changes to better support everybody and you know it's a shame we're in some of these situations really yeah, definitely. And it's obviously it's not just about the, the response from public authorities. Um, there's obviously there's a lot of grassroots work going on. So um, as Pearl mentioned, you know, there's a huge range of organisations. And uh, Lindsay, you've been talking to um, one of the uh, businesses that's been getting involved in this sort of emergency response. Uh, tell us uh, what you've been uh, finding out about. So I had an amazing chat with uh, Lauren from World Thing Cafe and it's a local cafe in Grangetown in Cardiff. Um, it's plant-based and she's been, I think she's been operating for maybe a year or, or so just under and it was just really great to hear about how she'd, I suppose the origins of her business or the foundations of her business were really coming out to play because she describes herself as being a socially based business and that's absolutely kind of shone through and sort of accelerated, I suppose, some of the stuff she's really passionate about in terms of making food accessible, affordable, nutritious. You know, it's how she brings in the health the sort of side of things and, um, you know, really sort of coming that that sort of whole project and business has come into its own, I think, at this time. Definitely. Let's have a listen to uh, what Lauren had to say. Hi Lauren, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Enjoying this gorgeous sunny Saturday. It's very nice, isn't it? And um, you you run a business a cafe. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it, please? So Wild Thing are plant-based cafes. We opened the first cafe in Grangetown in February 2019. And then a few months later in September, we took on the Embassy Cafe in Cates as well. Uh, so Wild Thing are plant-based cafes with social goals. So it aims to get more people eating veg, reduce environmental impacts and to fight food poverty. 
And what sort of things were you doing as a cafe um, to sort of make those social goals happen? So what, what did that look like? So we've been doing some free community dinners. We did one in March and then we was, had a few planned for April, May, June, but we'll arrange them for another time. And um, the free community dinners, just bring people together over food. Um, it's free for people to attend. And the one we did in March was with the community fridge in Cate's and we had food from Fair Share. So we were using food that would otherwise be wasted to redistribute to our community. And they're really lovely events bringing people together. We've got plans to do um, free nutrition courses as well. So I took part in a nutrition course through uh, Public Health Wales and we're going to be delivering those courses for free so that people have more education and knowledge on good food and nutrition. And in the cafe as well, um, one of the things that we do is we have a pay what you can soup, which is really popular. So it's just trying to get good food to be accessible for everyone. So, you know, quite often vegan food seen as being quite expensive. So we try and have an option so that we're able to suit different budgets. That sounds fantastic. And in terms of the situation we're in now, how I guess there must have been a period of time where it's kind of thinking, what what do you do? How do you take things forward? And, you know, was that challenging in the early days? Yeah, so I think the hardest time was it was the week of the 16th of March and it was announced that cafes it, it wasn't announced that cafes should close at this point but it was just encouraging members of public not to go to cafes and restaurants and that's when social distancing came into place but places were still open so that week was really challenging that was really tough for us because obviously we didn't really want people to come out and about but then at the same time we weren't told to close we weren't told what support would be there for us so that week was very much of okay let's just get on with it and adapt every single day there was different um, announcements every day from the prime minister and every announcement seemed to have an action that as business owners we'd have to do so it may be okay as of now people can't come into our cafe we've got to be really strict with only allowing people to have takeaway so we basically changed from being a cafe at the beginning of the week to by the end of the week we were a takeaway that did delivery only with contactless payments we would only take payments over the phone or, or um, on message or even in person and we were delivering contact free so um, we were just dropping food outside people's houses and then letting them know it was there so it was a very that week was quite a stressful week just adapting and still trying to make money trying to make profit not know what was going to happen and then towards the end of the week then it was announced that all cafes and restaurants had to close and weirdly that announcement was a lot better than the announcements at the beginning of the week because it gave us a definite answer of what we had to do so for me then you know our decision from that was okay we're not going to continue with the takeaway and delivery we are going to close we wanted to put the staff first and their health and their safety and um, not even continue with takeaways or deliveries. It just didn't feel like we were delivering an essential service. Yeah, so the 21st of March, which I think is actually a month today, if I'm right. Yeah, so that decision definitely just made things a bit more final. And the way that I see it is that we've essentially shut off the commercial side of our business and now we're just focusing on our social side and our community based activities as opposed to trying to make money trying to make profit i describe this time as a bit of a weird post-capitalism socialist leaning time that we're in um, so we're really not about making profit at the moment and we're really just about 
making our community goals happen. And do you think as a business it helped having social goals before all this happened in terms of adapting to sort of any change? I think so. Like for me anyway, at the beginning of this year, I've been looking at changing the whole cafe to be a social enterprise um, as, you know, growth for me at the beginning of the year looked out to be, I want this cafe to be a social enterprise. I want to be doing more community things. I want to be doing free nutrition courses, free community dinners. So for me, my cafe was going more towards being more of a social enterprise anyway. And I think then that just meant we had a direction of where we wanted to go. For us, we were like, you know, at this time, we want to get more people eating veg. We want to fight food poverty. It felt like this was what our core aim was about, was to get food to people. So I think definitely it did, because, you know, we look at the sort of triple bottom line, as it's called, where you look at profit, you look at the environment, and you look at social impact as well. Whereas obviously for some businesses, they'll just look at profit. So they will see this time as not not generating any revenue, not generating any profit. But for us, even though we're not generating profit, we are still adding lots of value by feeding people who wouldn't otherwise have access to food. So I think definitely having those goals, it just put us in our place of where we are right now. And I think our place is almost operating more of as a social enterprise slash charitable sort of project. So um, yeah, definitely. And that that just sounds absolutely amazing and really sort of nice to hear as well. And so what what is it you're actually doing as a result now? What what's the business becoming and what sort of services are you providing? So we're providing um, food for vulnerable people in the city for free. We're delivering twice a week and each delivery provides three meals for a day for three days. So essentially every delivery has nine meals with it. So we set up a crowdfunder in order to cover the costs for that. Our costs aren't huge because we're really lucky to be uh, members of Fairshare. So they um, redistribute food waste and we pay our fee to them. But we are crowdfunded in order to get money in order to cover the costs of that. So obviously when the lockdown happened and people can't work and the massive impacts of COVID-19, lots of different people within our society are affected different differently and obviously people who are already living in poverty or maybe living on the breadline are extremely impacted by this so we decided that we needed to provide food for these people um we i used to work for the big issue so i was speaking to some of my colleagues there and the big issue vendors were unable to sell the magazine anymore so i spoke to them and I said, would the big issue vendors benefit from this service? And that's sort of how it started, um, was right. just seeing that there would be a need for them because they were unable to earn income. And they said, totally, like, they, they need this. So we set up, um, so how many big issue vendors we want it? And then, you know, realised, yeah, we'd be able to deliver to that many people. And then I put it on Twitter just to see if there was any other organisations who had service users who would also benefit from this service. Um, and Shamai got in touch, so we delivered to them as well, as well as just different individuals who've contacted me to see what we're doing, and we're delivering to those people as well. So I put it out on Twitter because I didn't want to mirror any work that was already being done, but it was evident from the people that I did speak to that there were individuals who were sort of falling through gaps of food services that were already existing. And you, you mentioned Fair Share Cardiff and uh, Lamai as 
the the two different organisations around there? And has it been important to, I think you mentioned, to link in with the the, the existing support services um, to sort of deliver what you're doing? Yeah, completely. Because I think, you know, I, I've, I think it's great for individuals to, to do their bit. But then, you know, I think if you're part of something bigger, then maybe you can be more effective with what you're trying to deliver. So I'm, I'm a part of the Cardiff Food Poverty Action Group, and that's run by uh, Pearl from Food Cardiff. So there was a big meeting, um, like a Skype meeting, just when the lockdown happened. Um, so on there, I, I saw what all the different groups were doing. So I think being part of that was really helpful, just to know that we weren't going to mirror any of that other work. And that was something that was really important for me. I didn't just yeah. want to have an idea and be like, you know, sometimes it can be seen as like trying to be a do-gooder or something like that. But I think being part of that network, that group of people, and it's got um, lots of different food organisations in there. It's got um, Riverside Community Centre, Fairshire, lots of different organisations. And I think just having that connection, it can just see what, what's going on across the city, which is really helpful. So that coordination's played a big part in it, I to sort of try and reach, I suppose, as many people as possible then that are maybe like maybe, say, yeah, like say totally. falling between the gaps. And I'm, I'm sort of really interested in almost like the sort of supply chain and procurement. And you mentioned food coming from fair share and just, you know, who else is part of that, that bigger chain really in terms of making this happen, you know? I think during this, this time, definitely fair share for us, like the, the amount of food that we're able to get on, on such a low amount of money is just incredible we we i got a delivery this morning actually i was there collecting the delivery and it's crates of tins of tomatoes and lots of fresh fruit and lots of fresh veg which otherwise would have been wasted and they're then redistributed it's just incredible like if i was to go to a shop and buy all that it would cost hundreds so it's incredible i think i feel so lucky that we're able to get that from them Mm. I think definitely they're our, our biggest supplier. We're obviously we're based in Grangetown, so anything extras that we need, we we go to Clare Food Store, and they're amazing as well. They've been they are good. <laughs> I love them so much. They're always fully stocked, and um, quite often I go in and they say, "Is this food coming to deliveries?" And they end up donating what I've what I would have bought. And I I try and insist like we we have raised money for this, so um, yeah donated like lentils and breads and lots of essentials which is really handy just to bulk up what we have so that we're given um complete meals so i'd say those two have been very important for us and then volunteers it's quite you know we we provide nine meals um for each person and when we're doing the deliveries which you know it's a lot of food lots of fresh food it's all vegan so there's lots of prep involved so all the volunteers who are getting involved to come in you know, some people's volunteer shift is a case of chopping onions or chopping garlic <laughs> or chopping carrots. So I think having all the, the volunteers and the manpower is really making it work because it's um, long days of prepping food and delivering food and cleaning down the kitchen. So definitely them. It sounds, it sounds like quite an operation and it's kind of really interesting to hear the sort of behind the scenes of it as well, because um, even just the logistics of deliveries and I know lots of businesses that um, we've been having deliveries from you know you know changing your business model and kind of and then also you've got the added sort of levels of either you know you if in your case dealing with 
vulnerable people that it's how you sort of safeguard and you know make sure it's done in the right way isn't it it's it's there's a lot involved in that whole whole sort of process so yeah and I think we're still you know trying to figure out how is the best way to deliver do we just drop it off and then ring them uh, then there's certain people who I, I quite like to see to know that they're okay yeah. so I'm sort of sat in the van while they open the door to just check in that they're okay since we last saw them so they just feel like there's that element of like care for them as well so yeah it's trying to find that right balance whilst distancing but checking in with them too I think because we've had a crowdfunder as opposed to applying for a grant which will have criteria of who can use the service from the money I think it really opens up to who we are able to support so I think definitely there's people who are using the service who wouldn't normally use it for example we have um, one family who both the parents work in Heath hospitals doctors and nurses so for them it's a case of they don't have time to go out and do a food shopping when they've got children and they're working really long yeah. hours in the hospital and then also um to have time to cook as well so you know they said are we eligible for this but of course like we don't have like I said, we don't have that criteria from having a grant or, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a few like red tapes or things like that. So it means anyone can access our service if anyone feels that they need access to food. Whether, you know, I think often we think if someone's vulnerable, it's, it seems to be that there's that money, which, you know, is not allowing them to, to buy food. But it could just be that someone doesn't have time and, that, and it's really yeah. important that they have access to really good um, cooked food. So totally anyone can get in touch with us and I think it's yeah it's been really interesting just like the different ways that people have been getting in touch someone just messaged me on Instagram to say that like my granddad lives in Cardiff I don't live in Cardiff um would you be able to deliver to him we've had people who've said you know I've uh, used to come into your cafe but I, I'm unable to get out and about because I'm classed as vulnerable and I need to completely isolate are we able to have the food and it's, it's totally and I think it's just I think it's you know not about having a limit to who can have this service yeah. and I think we're lucky that we're able to do that yeah yeah you don't want to have to necessarily be deciding about who should or shouldn't get something it's it's just if you have a need isn't it it's whatever that might be totally and I think because of this situation I think some people who may not have found themselves accessing these types of services before I think that lots of people now are and I think maybe because we're a cafe that someone may have gone to, it just feels a bit more accessible for them in that way too. If anybody does want to volunteer or support in any way, how, how can they support the work you're doing? So we've got our crowdfunder, which um, I've put, we've, we've reached two targets that I've set and I'm probably going to increase the target again. Um, in the last few weeks, we've got quite a lot of families and we've been providing baby um, nappies and wipes and another type of baby stuff. So we've sort of added on to our costs with now realising people need that. So I'm, I'm likely to increase the crowdfunder target again. Brilliant. People to um, support us in that way. If they can't afford to donate, then just sharing it, that would be really helpful because it just means we'll be able to continue the service. And also it just means if someone's like, I really need nappies or I really need this, we're able to then buy it too. And yeah that way um so us on um go fund me go fund me if you type in lauren saunders or wild thing it should come up um there's also links on all of our socials for that fundraiser too if anybody wants to volunteer i think volunteers for deliveries would be really helpful so if anybody has like a van that would be great and wants to get involved then just give me a, an email my email address is lauren at wildthingcardiff.com 
and we'll share all these in the show notes anyway. But yeah, it's, it sounds like a, a really great project. And I suppose a final, final question is, um, you know, what, what do you see for the future for Wild Thing? For the future of Wild Thing, I definitely see the, the business turn it into a social enterprise and us continuing these types of projects throughout, even when the cafe is running. Um, the way I see it is that the cafe will be a way of us generating money in order to carry out more community work like this I think it's really shown us that there is this need for for uh, nutritious food to be delivered to people so we'd love to continue this for as long as possible even even when everyone's back to, to normal if that ever happens yeah, um, yeah so it, <laughs> normal, it's isn't it? is definitely a surprise hopefully the cafe will be back as well because it's it's a lovely space and I know you've be great to sort of see you in there in the future hopefully yeah I, I can't wait till the cafe is back and it's filled with people because at the moment we're going in to cook and it's just filled with like all of our deliveries and big boxes to go out and it's it's there's like none of our plants are in there I've taken them all home to look after them here so it does feel really different in there so I'm excited for um for it to have that lovely I think it's got a really nice community friendly feeling this so I can't wait for that to be back Definitely. And thank you very much for speaking to us today. And we look forward to sort of catching you in the future, hopefully face to face at some point again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it was really good to hear from Lauren Lindsay, um, you know, and, and as she mentioned, the fact that if you're a business with a social goal, actually, you're looking at this pandemic pandemic in a different way to businesses who are perhaps more traditional in how they operate in more profit-based model. Yeah, she talked about the the triple bottom line, um, but the social bit being really important. And for her, it's a good place to be is to to make profit, but to be able to reinvest that prop- profit into the community. So to be able to do the kind of projects like this on a more regular basis. So. Um, yeah, really, really good example, a really sort of positive example of, you know, how to do things differently, I suppose. And I guess once uh, once, you know, the lockdown uh, is, is lifted or starts to be lifted and she's in a position to reopen the cafe. Um, I know there'll be obviously a lot of grateful foodies in that area who can go. There, yeah, completely. It's, it's good to know that the, the, the money that's coming in is actually, you know, continuing that social that social purpose, that social mission as well. Yeah, and I had a little look at her online fundraiser um, this morning because she was talking about increasing the amount and she's increased the amount and it's already exceeded that. So it's just amazing how many people, you know, and again, this is happening across the UK. There's so many different fundraisers going on for all different sort of aspects of of this sort of crisis. And it, I'm just, you know, it's, I just can't believe how much people the generosity of people how much they're donating so it's fantastic yeah i think at the moment it's obviously it's that focuses on more that donations to get that response but i guess more generally it's just a reminder that it's really nice if you can you know in your everyday life choose businesses or choose organizations for you know just everyday services like going for a cup of coffee that is actually going to put something back and and i guess this pandemic is really highlighting uh, even more so the value of those uh, you know where that money goes and 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 what what that can what that can achieve yeah and from a personal perspective i've definitely made a conscious decision and i do anyway to try and shop as locally as possible and support local businesses that i know 
um, you know, they 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 need as much of that as possible to sort of come through the other side because without you know without their sort of regular customers and you know that sort of change in sort of model there they they may not survive so it's really important to do that yeah good stuff um so you also heard from another project as well just down the road from uh, from lauren there in in riverside uh, you've been talking to uh, sarah from the south riverside community development center tell us a bit about what's going on there so Sarah, um, she's well. I should say South Riverside Community Development Centre, which is always a bit of a mouthful for me. Um, <laughs> it's um, it, it's much more like um, Sarah talks about the project in terms of a food project, but it's much more than that. It's a series of community centres. They run all sorts of activities for the local community. Um, it's a very diverse community. So um, I think she mentions about some of the different languages and things that are involved in the projects that they're doing in terms of communicating some of the services. Um, but they, because a lot of their activities happen across uh, three buildings, um, they're all closed at the moment. So it's kind of they've really sort of ramped up the action of doing things differently and looking at, you know, where they can use their staff and volunteers in the community to sort of support the needs of the, they describe it as the hardest hit in their community. And the food pantry is just one small element um, that Sarah mentions. And it's really about, she talks about um, whether it's nutrition or health or like all the other things that are linked to food, you know, coming together as a community. It's like what that means and through the pantry, how they're enabling that to happen. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really kind of exciting sort of local project to me. Yeah, this is a this is a project I was just looking at their website. They've got a real focus on kind of alleviating poverty. And, and I suppose uh, at the moment, you know, uh, as you say, they've got a wider mission and, and that looks at how things like food links to exercise and diet and things like that. But at the moment, it seems they've got a real focus on just making sure that people can afford access to the food they need and, and they've really risen to that challenge around the pandemic in 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 bringing that work forward yeah and I think um, what came across to me was how much was kind of happened more quickly because of the community from getting fridges delivered or getting it all set up um, I think there's warehouse storage all, all the sort of practical bits and pieces and how the people in that community in terms of building skills for the future in terms of jobs and things it's like the importance of those skills in how to run and set up uh, what they hope to develop as a community run and led shop so it's kind of yeah there's so much more to it than just supplying people with meals or food so it's uh, yeah it's a a nice nice kind of uh, rounded story should we say okay let's uh, have a listen to what sarah had to had to tell you so, um, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about um, the South Riverside community and the, the project that you've got up and running at the moment? Yeah, so South Riverside Community Development Centre has been running since the 70s and we do a range of services and events and activities for well, almost everyone in, in the community. We've got a project called Greening and Growing that works a lot with gardening around um, Riverside. We've got a project called Credu Believe, which is for women from BME communities, 16 to 25, who want some help getting into work and with general life skill support. We've got a crash in a mobile crash that runs and lots of learning for under fives. We run cooking groups. We have 
holiday programs for families. We run parent and children activities at the local primary schools. We try and do as much as we can really to uh, benefit the community. That's, that's what we're there for. And if people have suggestions, we'll always listen to them and try and find a way to um, explore them and if possible, create a new activity for the community because um, we're nothing if the community aren't uh, involved. And I think the reason we were hoping to come and talk to you today is I'm currently sitting in my bedroom recording my first online podcast and we're sort of really interested in what communities are doing out there around um, the COVID-19 crisis at the moment and really keen to find out how the South Riverside Community Development Centre has evolved after sort of lockdown and how how you've changed to support your community. Yes, um, yeah, it's been um, a challenge because we're so used to having people at the centre and having conversations to create um, in person to create new services. But we did have a few things that were already starting that we were able to capitalise on and adapt and speed up for the COVID-19 crisis. The big one that we've just launched this week is the Wyndham Street Pantry. And that's a service where people can pay £2.50 and then get a, a, a large amount of shopping, actually. At the moment, we're really trying to push it so we can get as much as possible. We order from Fairshare and they've been really good at giving us a good variety of food. Um, and it's at least £15 worth of shopping that people people get for that price. Um, we do a weekly delivery across um, Riverside and Grangetown and Canton to be able to support people that are really struggling financially and also in terms of getting out to the shops. I, I mean, this week we started and we did 25 families or 25 people and we're, tr- we're, go- we're trying to expand it every week because we've had a, a lot of demand for it. And it's been really well received, so we're really, um, we're really glad it's meeting the need. Obviously, because of COVID-19, we can't offer a shop that people can go to. So we've adapted it to offer a delivery service. That's why we're running the pantry as a delivery service. And we were also successful in um, securing some funding so that we can offer it for a reduced price of £2.50 to uh, reflect the increased financial hardship. Yeah, because it's um, it's just a very stressful time, isn't it, for lots of people and... I guess like we're all we're all adapting in different ways, but it's certainly, you know, there's different levels of how people are having to cope. What what do you think's been the biggest challenge for getting this up and running um either online or with the deliveries as a as a as an organization like yourselves? Um I think the probably the initial challenge was finding the extra funding to be able to adapt the service to make sure it was safe and also we hadn't even ordered equipment yet we hadn't ordered fridges or freezers or storage equipment so we got had to get all of that in um negotiate with warehouse the fair share warehouse to get um food in so the kind of logistics setting it up that was a lot quicker than usual but um but everyone's been really helpful because they understand it's a really difficult time and and people want to help to help out so that's been it's been a challenge trying to set everything up so quickly but people have made it really easy and in terms of deliveries and also get, getting the food initially to South Riverside we've been really really lucky with the local probation team I can't thank them enough because they provided members of staff and vans so that we can make sure that that we can we know we don't have to rely on volunteers and a lot of different cars going to pick things up there's been challenges and we have had to make some decisions more quickly than, than we probably would usually but um but like i said everyone's been so supportive and people have really 
move mountains to be able to help us get off the ground so it's been a challenge but we've, we've been really lucky with all the support we've had that sounds fantastic and I can imagine that's quite an important part within a community you know having that face-to-face albeit at a distance yes that that is that is a really positive thing yeah we, we're doing it from a safe distance but having a delivery it doesn't allow us to have that um that conversation from a distance on people's doorways and also um to have something on the phone to talk about that's very positive as well when people have received the deliveries to ask them how it went what what they've been cooking what they've made i mean that's really um those kind of conversations are really positive and can make a real difference to people and to myself as well because you know we're all we're all living in a more isolated way um yeah so alongside the food is the the way that the pantry enables us to connect a bit more physically with people and create some more positive connections and um, for people's well-being that's a, an extra bonus what are your hopes and aspirations for for the project in the future and you know how would you like to see see things change yeah so um i think during the lockdown we're, we're keen to increase our deliveries um and to keep expanding keep working with partner organizations to find as many vulnerable people as possible we're also interested if people are working in with a vulnerable group if they want to kind of bulk buy orders so that we can ensure that a group of people who they know might not be confident in coming forward are still able to benefit the service that's something we're also keen to explore once the lockdown's finished we will then set up the pantry in the more traditional model so it will be like a community shop that's open to start with one one day a week and then people can come there and they can pay it'll be five pounds then probably but still get a a a lot more a lot more than that at least 15 pounds worth of shopping for for that and also have a space where they can uh around that sit down have a cup of tea listen to some music discuss recipes alongside having a weekly shop for a, a really great food for quite a low price so um that's the hope that we carry on for the foreseeable future as a community shop and we probably will need to do some delivery still for people that are isolating or have to isolate for a long time so we probably will keep that an element of that going for the foreseeable future until we're really definitely out of out of the COVID-19 um, bubble but um, but that's that's the hope for the future we can bring more physical people into the space once the lockdown is over and it's safe to do so. And a community shop is that sounds like a fantastic idea and is uh, is there any links to any growing as well in the local area? Yep. Yeah, so we um, so we are doing quite a lot of different um, growing projects. We've got a project called Growing and Greening that we do anyway. That's um, been running growing workshops with children and with families, and and doing health walks, starting at Riverside Health Centre, and then walking through to where the pantry is now actually, so people can do some planting and some growing and also look at different green parts of Riverside to kind of appreciate the the green parts that are there and we're keen keen to expand that and we're also actually from next week going to be asking everyone who gets pantry delivery if they'd always also like some growing packs alongside it so they can grow some food as well as get the pantry deliveries which is very exciting but we know that like you said food is when food and growing and is so important for bringing people together improving well-being sharing connections and getting a chance to celebrate difference so we're really glad that the pantry's been set up to help us start that as well and yeah we're working to take it as far as we can during lockdown and then carry on what we're doing and probably with some new learning about how things can work from the lockdown absolutely isn't it it's um I think we're all learning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big challenge for us is often how we can reach the most vulnerable people who are scared to leave the house and make it 
through the doors of the community centre. And so I know it's, it's not in the best circumstances, but in some ways it's really, really enabled us to reach some of those people that we might have had a big challenge in reaching before and really focus on that. So hopefully it'll allow us to have a more um, mindful approach of how we can reach those alongside the people that are engaging with us physically in the future. So that's good learning for us out of a, a bad situation. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That was really, really inspiring to hear. And just there's just always so many amazing things happening out and about. So thank you. Thank you so much. So, Lindsay, some um, really interesting projects we've heard from there and uh, appreciate these are very much focused in Cardiff this time around. But I know there's work going on elsewhere in Wales and beyond we will try and get to in the future. Um, but any any kind of overall reflections on on this episode? I mean, I guess there's some uh, combination of some fairly shocking uh, issues, but also really positive r- response in terms of what's happening. I think um, both people I interviewed, it was really the sense of that you need to work together with lots of different organisations um, to make sure you do things in a in a, I was going to say a good way. It's all good, but. I think what Lauren was saying is like by working in collaboration, you're you're sort of highlighting where the gaps might be. And it's not to say doing something on your own is necessarily a bad thing, but it's just that collaborative aspect makes it better. Um, and I think the same with South Riverside Community Development Centre. It's like through working with the community, they've got a much better sort of service and you know, sense of belonging with it. So, um, you know, we, we always say this in this podcast, it's the community bit that, you know, really sort of shines through. So that stood yeah. out for me. Yeah, I think at the moment, because we're in kind of an emergency, I guess a lot of this is a lot more transactional than it would normally be. It's about, you know, people being able to get the food they need and, and, and meeting that basic need. But what what's really positive, I think, is it in, in these projects in both what Wild Thing are doing and the development centre is they are looking at longer term um how do people make sure they are healthy and nutritious and that, and they have you know strong communities and and using food as that kind of focus and um i, I think what's really impressive about these is that they, they have got that um you know they were there positioned to to do this the fact that you have these organizations ready to respond um but also i guess i'm hoping that maybe from some of this crisis may emerge some 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 positive actions in terms of you know communities being better linked and being better positioned to to maybe grow food um you know heard pill talking about that um and so that we've all become a bit more uh, resilient i suppose to the not only these crises but also making sure we have um have the kind of healthy food we need day to day yeah definitely and i think um, yeah, because Pearl was talking about her sort of ambition for the future in terms of um, food being grown much more widely or, you know, just kind of, I suppose that's that awareness of where your food comes from and the sort of the links, the links to everything else. I think as well, you know, the the fact that we've had this crisis and it, it's really brought home some of the issues with our food system. I mean, everyone is aware of going to shops now and seeing gaps on the shelves which is something that you know we're not used to and that's whether you know no matter what your income is at the moment um you know uh this has come through that actually at the moment more of us are affected by these issues around food uh than perhaps normally so but actually it's perhaps made us more aware of the fact that 
there are lots of people in our society who are, just aren't uh, able to afford or access or, or cook or uh, use the food that they they need. So um, let, let's hope that's that kind of awareness has come up as well, really, and that, that does some good. Yeah, and I'm sure sure it will be. Like you say, from, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you've probably become a lot more aware of your food, where it's coming from. And um, I, I know from a personal perspective, there's not one scrap of waste at the moment. We're being even more resourceful than sort of normal in a way. And it's kind of, yeah, it's definitely sort of changed my relationship with the food, with the food we eat and prepare a little bit more. And I've never cooked so much at the moment. You know, I've never been so self-sufficient in so many ways. <laughs> I actually feel like personally, and this is coming from a position of privilege, but I feel like I'm eating better and growing more of my own food at the moment than, than ever before. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm sure there are other people in that position. You know, you hear about a lot more people baking and, you know, I guess for population as a whole, for some, for some of us, um, this is really you know, probably improving diets and so on. Um, so there, there's, there's um, you know, there's different uh, there's different aspects to this, you know, whether it's the people who are in a real food crisis um, or people who are perhaps using this moment as more an opportunity to to improve the way they eat. So I think it. what I'd really like to see is kind of those sorts of benefits like the reduced waste, people growing food, people perhaps eating healthier, that becoming accessible to everyone in society and not just being the preserve of you know the middle classes and, and people on reasonable income who, who can afford it and and the work that you know those uh, interviewees um, Lauren and Sarah and, and Pearl are doing uh, you know hopefully this can make our whole food system a bit fairer and a bit more equitable but I guess there's a long way to go on that. Yeah I hope so and it's you know across the UK I'm sure there's lots of examples like this um, in different sort of pockets so fingers crossed eh? Fingers crossed indeed. Well thanks for listening to this episode of Seismic Wales and thanks again for all your suggestions and feedback on social media we do love to hear from you so if you've got further ideas for future episodes do uh, drop us a message we're on Twitter, Instagram or go to our website seismic.wales. If you enjoyed the episode do subscribe to us on your podcast app and uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get your podcast there. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.